0: I'm going to give Jean my watch because I'm going to knock it on the floor. Um, have I set the alarm? No, no. It doesn't have one. It's only a cheap watch. Um, wasn't that... Oh, presence of God this morning. I, I have... I'm not into weird or wacky. However... <laughs> now you about Andy? No, I was talking about you, actually. Right, but, um, <laughs> I, I just might... I just feel I'm going to waft over you before the morning's out. Um, it's just this, this, this a, I'm going to preach about baptism in the Holy Spirit, and, and there's it's just a, a sense of, just God wants to come over us this morning and wave after wave after wave of his glory, and some of you have not really had moments like that. You can, it's a bit, it's a bit intellectual, you know, and I just feel God says, I just would like to touch you in another part of you, other than your head. I want to get to your heart, I want to get to your spirit. I want to waken you up where you 're asleep you know it's, it's, I remember who remembers ninety four who remembers ninety four when when God just kind of blew in the place and messed it all up. Anybody remember those days? Not many of you, you see those were amazing days. I remember wafting over sixty people in a prayer meeting and everybody falling on the floor. stops the prayer meeting, but you, you just I, I did all sorts of strange things, and people would fall about because God was in the house. And you know what? I just had that feeling this morning. God's in the house. That sense of, you know, it's like, whoa, God's going to just do some transforming. It's like he's starting to do some transforming already. He has been for months now, but it's coming. It's going to increase. You'll not be the same in weeks to come. It's going to increase. The presence of God, the power of the Spirit in meetings will increase and increase. I prophesy it. I declare it because that's just what God's doing. It's like I've come and I've come to stay. That's what God says. You think that was a nice meeting. He said, no, no, that wasn't a meeting. That's me come to stay and I'm going to mess it up and I'm going to mess it up. Are you all right with that? No, I don't know if I like that. Right, let me preach at you then, to you, I mean, sorry. I'd like to turn to 1 Corinthians 9. Please, it'll be on the screen. But last week, uh, we talked about being a biblical community. And today, I want to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit and being filled with him. But first, I want to read this rather topical scripture. I did think of putting Lycra on <laughs> to demonstrate this. And then I thought again. <laughs> Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Very topical. We've been watching it. Man, what they put themselves through to win. Scary. Scary. And then Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It's God who works in you. Isn't Isn't that encouraging? It's not like I came to worship God and he was over there and I'm doing it. No, no, it's God at work in us, at work in you, to change you, to shape you for his purposes. Wow. Does, does, does that give you goosebumps? God, I've got loads of them. Those of us who follow Jesus, we've heard this this morning so wonderfully, those of us who follow Jesus have been given the greatest gift that anyone can be given thought what Matt shared. Wasn't that just glorious? It's not forgotten. It's forgiven, which is much better. What a gift. It's a privilege. What we've been given is the privilege of becoming a child of the living God. The Bible says, and that is what you are, a child of God, freed from sin and shame having a loving relationship with God our Father, and giving, the, giving we are given the honor of serving God's purposes in the power of the Holy Spirit in our day. Can you imagine... How can I find this, make an illustration out of this? Can you imagine if, if someone is being hugely successful, perhaps in battle... And they need someone to be a very key person, and you're in the crowd, and they'll say, "Can I have? I I want you to play a very unique role because I've chosen you for that." It's it's like I've got the honour of being that, I've got the honour of playing that. But like in a football match, you know, I I think I've shared with you before, like. I was at school, you know, and you're lined up, and the captains are picking their teams, and I was always the guy left. Nobody wanted me to play football. I was a bit big, tubby, and I'm not really an athlete. That's why I didn't put lycra on this morning, as you can imagine. Right, but 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 God said, no, I have, I've called you. I, I've, I've made you my child for real, unique, special purpose. And you're not just lost in the crowd. Every one of you are special to me and therefore called to work out in my purposes, uh, out, my purposes, God, by the power of the Spirit, in your day to play these most significant role that only you can fulfill. Isn't that amazing? It's the only one. It's, it's there for you. It's like you're called to this amazing thing. Doesn't that give you a sense of, yeah? Doesn't something rise in you, rise up, and you say, I want to play my part then. Now, the the flip side of that is, what that does to somebody is make them say, yeah, but you know what, I'm shy, I'll probably fail, yeah. But we're not talking about in our own strength. We're talking about that which God starts, God chooses, God equips, God initiates, and God fulfills and we play our part. That's what it's about. Being a child of God is like a never-ending story, though, where we keep growing in our knowledge of Him. We keep learning more about Him. We keep getting surprises, and wow, wow, every day is like this new adventure with God. It's great. I never thought I'd get to the day when I, I could say I, I'm, I am i will not say I'm old, because I get into trouble from people when I say I'm old, but I'm older now. And I never thought I'd get to the, the day when I'd say I'm older now. But you know what? I still get surprised over and over again by God. There's new adventures in God. this new, ex- just, just amazes me over and over again. It's a wonderful experience. It's the never-ending story of the child of God. This life of adventure, this wow, just never stops being amazing. So when the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 2.12 to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, he's encouraging us to keep seeking after God and to keep growing in God. The Apostle Peter says something similar, uh, something along the same lines in 2 Peter 3, verses 13 to 17. He says, But in keeping with his promises, speaking of Jesus, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Hallelujah. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort, about athletes, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. I love this. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking, of, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Poor Peter, he's only a fisherman, right? Which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other scriptures to their own destruction. Just an odd thing to stick in the middle of his, his letter, but he does it. Because he's saying, Paul can be a bit difficult to understand. But he's got the point across. He said, "Paul agrees with what I'm saying. Therefore, dear friend, since you've been forewarned, be on your guard, so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless—sorry, of the lawless—and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen." Are you growing? Don't mean bigger. But are you growing? Are you growing in grace? Are you growing in the knowledge of God? Or are you growing in your experience with God? Because that's what God has for all of us. Everyone. Over and over again, we see in Scripture that God wants us to pursue Him, to chase after Him, to press into Him. Jeremiah twenty-nine ten to 14 God says this to His people who are in exile. This is what the Lord says, When, the 70, when 70 years are completed for Babylon... And then he goes on to say, and I will bring you back from captivity. I'll gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord. I'll bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. But what you see there is that's a particular context. But the heart of God, he said, I want my people to be a people who are pursuing me, who are pressing into me, who are chasing after me. You see, we live in a very apathetic world. You watch the news and you think, well, I can't do anything about it. I can't change it. So what happens, we sit and we become, it's a bit voyeuristic, we, we, we become bystanders of life. We, we sit there watching the world go by, the tragedies, the, the, even, even, even the Olympics. We all go, yeah, but you know what, it cost me nothing. Wow, isn't that amazing? And you know what, the best thing is you work up a sweat as you get excited because your adrenaline pumps as you will they, will they? Oh, they did it. You feel great. You did nothing for that. You did nothing for that feeling. And you know what? That feeling will go away because it's not yours. We live in a world where we're apathetic. We kind of think, oh, I can't fix it, can't do it. God says, I don't want my people to be apathetic. I want my people to be very determined about pressing in to all I have for them. I want them to take responsibility and to say, no, no, I'm going to be all I can be for God. I'm going to give everything I've got to it because I know he's giving everything he's got to it. And if that's true, anything's possible. I've said to you over and over again, my, my desire, my, my whole desire as, as the leader of Jubilee is to see everybody in Jubilee fly and go way beyond me. That's really my desire. It's not about me at all. It's about, it's about Jesus being glorified as his people come alive and, and fulfill their destinies in him. That's what church leadership's all about. It's not about being a high-flying preacher. It's about being someone who helps the people of God fly, become all they can be. Matt, you were just outstanding this morning. I'm on your case. You know I'm on your case anyway. But don't I listened to Matt. You don't mind me saying this, to you? I'm sorry. I'm terribly sorry. Please smack my hand. Yeah, That's okay. no, all right. I listened to Matthew this morning. Do you know everybody calls you Matt behind your back? Sorry about that. But <laughs> I'm totally forgiven. He hasn't forgotten it, but I'm totally forgiven. I listened to Matthew this morning, and I'm thinking wow, it's like God's waking you up, coming alive. You know what? That's just the start. That's just the start. No pressure, right? But that's just the start. Isn't it great? Wasn't that prayer from Arslan great? Isn't that great? Raj walked past and said, who needs elders? (laughs) I'm just thinking, (laughs) out of the mouths of babes, children, Ah, come on, you know, I'm just looking at that young life thing, come on. Potential, future, call of God. It's all that, Will will he grab it or will he just go apathetic? Do a bit what teenagers do and go, well. I was one once. Oh, well. There's something about the call of God on our lives that we need to respond to. Passivity doesn't help, not at all. I haven't got to my man preach yet, but that's, by the way. We see from scriptures that we all have a part to play in our pursuit of God. We must take personal responsibility. I've heard people pray, well, God, I'm here if you want me. You can fill me with the Holy Spirit if you want. I'm watching the telly at the minute. Seriously, I've heard people pray all sorts of stupid prayers. I, I, I just think this, you know what, that dishonors him. That totally dishonors the Lord. Here's, here's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords offering you the greatest gift you'll ever have. And we're going, well, not too bothered. No, no, I'll tell you, God has gifts for us as the people of God, and He's the King, and He's saying, Here you are, but He says, I want you to be very serious about coming to get them. I want you to be very serious about your walk with me because I've got stuff for every one of you that will change you forever, help you fulfill your destiny. You up for that? About three of you. You see, the wonderful thing is God hasn't left us on our own, even to be disciplined. He hasn't left us on our own because he knows what we're like. And I love the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't that I was pursuing God, but it starts with him pursuing me and pursuing you. God so loves you, he came to die for you. When you never thought of him, you never wanted him, you still maybe not want him. And you know what? He's still seeking after you because he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And without Jesus, we're all lost. He's pursuing us. But there comes a moment when we have to say, yes, okay, God. And he wakens us up. And he does it by the Holy Spirit. And he brings us alive to him. And then he says, now, will you pursue me? It's called taking up your cross and following Jesus. He invites us to be pursuers of Jesus, people who take him seriously, people who put him first. You see, many people wanted it. Many people wanted it. The rich young ruler said, what can I do to have eternal life? I'd like it on my terms, please. And when Jesus spells out the deal, he goes away sorrowful because he's not prepared to let it be God's way. He wants it on his terms. You know what? You can't have, you can't be a Christian on your terms. You can't have the Christian life on your terms. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit on your terms. It's all on His terms. But they're good terms, they're great terms. Isn't it good to know He's in charge? Isn't it good to know He's the Lord? He's the boss? He's the king? You know the the most wonderful thing to understand is it's a privilege to say yes to the King of Kings. You see, once you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you say, Yes, you are my Lord, then for then from ever on the only answer is yes, Lord. what Peter's saying, look, don't get carried away by other stuff. you get pulled away from your secure position because you start saying no to God, saying, well, I've got this and it's my responsibility for, I need to do these things. God says, no, pursue me. That's your responsibility. To be pursuers of God, to seek after God with all our heart, mind, soul, will, strength. But he doesn't leave us on our own to do that. He, He births us with the Holy Spirit He gives us a desire on the inside by the Holy Spirit. He fills us with the Holy Spirit. And now he empowers that inside us. He gives us the tenacity in the Spirit to be pursuers of God to get more of the Spirit. I've got three brief points. Don't need to be. And then we're going to have a ministry time and I'll waft over you. First point is this. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who can be filled with the Holy Spirit? And how do we receive the Holy Spirit? Just in case you don't know, the Holy Spirit is God. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's not a lesser God. He is God. Just as Jesus is God, it says in Scripture of Jesus, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. He's not a bit of God. Jesus is all of God. The Father is all of God. The Spirit is all of God. They're one God, and yet three persons. Is that a mystery? Absolutely. Do I understand it? No. But I love him. I've got glimpses of it. I've got glimpses of it. But any definition we have of how we try and describe God will always be limited because he's bigger than us. But I live with what I know. The Holy Spirit is God the third person of the Trinity. Genesis 1 tells us that he was active in creation, breathing over the face of the waters. It was the Holy Spirit who gave life to man as God breathed life into Adam. King James' translation tells us that at that point, man became a living soul. I love that phrase. Once I was an animal, and then I became a living soul. That's basically it. See, Adam, Adam was just flesh flesh blood. He was was made differently from the animals, but he was still, until God breathed life in him, he was just a, a being. But he was made a living soul. He was made alive to God. He was made different from any of the rest of creation, and so are we. Fallen, but still alive to God in a way the animals could never be. I think it was the Watching the Olympics, it was the rowers or the cyclists or somebody, but they were interviewing somebody before the race, and they said, well, my soul depends on this. It was the oddest comment, the, the, the oddest thing. I thought, your soul depends on a race? Well, how sad. My soul depends on God. My soul has given me because God breathed life into, into that which had no life. And so we are born alive to God but fallen. Shut off from God and yet with a living soul, with deep desires on the inside because we know we're made for something other than just being an animal. In the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit poured out only on certain individuals at certain times to enable them to do certain tasks, having time to unpack all of that. It's interesting to see the Holy Spirit is poured out there and and on there certain times. But there are promises as you read through the Old Testament that God would fill all of His people in the future with the Holy Spirit. They're amazing promises. I'm going to read some of them to you. Jeremiah 31, 33 and 34. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will, here's the word, forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more mean he's forgotten them. It means he won't draw them to mind again and hold them against you. I will forgive. This is what I want to do. He said, I want to, I want to fill my people. So the, the Old Testament is like the, the story of, of the people of God emerging, coming through, coming through, coming through, and then, then, of course, Jesus comes, but I'll get to that in a moment. Ezekiel 36, 26, 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And then, of course, Joel chapter 2, 28 and 29, very well known. And afterwards, and afterwards... I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. That was prophesied, but still nothing happened for 300 years. Can you imagine living in a day when nothing happens? God says, I'm going to do that, and then you've got 300 years when nothing happens. That means it's not for me. That means another generation or two will get it hey, I'm glad I live today. I'm glad I live this side of the cross. I'm not saying the other people suffered loss because God knows how to deal with them, but I know this. We live in a day of an age of the Spirit. We We live in a day when all these promises are true for us. That's exciting. And so the moment came after 300 years. Jesus came, this pivotal point in history, he was conceived in the, whole, in, in the Virgin Mary through the Holy Spirit coming upon her. He grew up living this perfect, sinless life. After his baptism in water by John, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus to equip him for ministry. We're told in Luke 3:22, the Holy Spirit descended on him in, the, in bodily form like a dove. You see, before that event, Jesus was the sinless Son of God, but also a man limited to human gifts and abilities. Only once the Holy Spirit Spirit came upon him, Jesus was equipped with power for his ministry on the earth. And so everything changed. Luke 4, 1 tells us that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14 tells us he returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, Jesus quotes from Isaiah's prophecy when he says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. That's a picture. You remember... Oh, i got time. You know when Jesus gets baptized and he goes to John and said, you need to baptize me, and John says, I don't need to baptize you, because John knew this is the Son of God. And he says, no, th- this must be done to fulfill all righteousness. It must be done. Why was that? Because Jesus had to demonstrate something for us, the way of baptism in water, but also that <clears throat> on top of that, is the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and that actually the the root into all that God has. He said, no, there's a way, there's a root, and I'm going to demonstrate this root. And so we get baptized in water, and we then receive, we're baptized in the Holy Spirit and empowered just as Jesus was. That's why Jesus did that. He said, just as I've been empowered to do these things, so I want my people to be empowered to do these things. Wow. Don't you think that's kind of... Oh, that's nice. And so us, the people of God, can say, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us. I say it in day, for he has anointed us to preach good news to the poor. It's the same, you see. Jesus demonstrates it. He says, it's come upon me. Now, let me breathe it on you. So the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord has come upon you. The church, my people, for he's anointed, my, your people, the people of God are anointed now, filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit to go and do the works of Jesus on the earth. Wow. Second point, who then can be filled with the Holy Spirit? John seven thirty-seven. To 39, Jesus predicts the Spirit's presence. Jesus stood in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, I've just had a drink. (laughs) If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Luke twenty four forty nine. 49, Jesus tells his followers to wait in the city until they are clothed with power from on high. He says, I'm going to send you what my father promised, but you stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And imagine this whole bunch of believers, a bit totally blown away by Jesus. He, he'd been crucified, and they're going, oh dear, it's all over. Then he's raised from the dead, and they're going, oh dear, we've no idea what's going on, except it's Jesus and he's alive. That's wonderful. okay? And he said, now I want you to wait together because I'm, I'm going to send you something. I'm going to send you what my father promised. I'm going to send you from heaven, the comforter, the, the empowerer, the, the, one, the, the one who dwells with you is just like me. And so they wait. In Acts 1. Get the same again, verse 4 and then verse uh, four and 5 and then verse 8. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what that meant. They're going, oh, okay. Verse 8, but you will receive power. A bit of explanation. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And then the moment came. i, I just got to read Acts 2 because I can't express it any better. But when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly, I love the suddenlies of God, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, all of them. Notice the word all. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not these, all these men Galileans who are, who are speaking? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native tongue?" Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Ca- Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of uh, Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judea- uh, Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they said, "What does this mean? What? What a moment! Isn't it just a moment?" Moment of excitement, oh, to have been there that day. Uh, that would have been like, wow, what is this? Have you ever been in any wow meetings? I, I just think there's a wow factor comes when God's about. And it's not a wow of mysticism, it's not a wow of, 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 of goosebumps, it's a wow of God in his glory and power and majesty breaking out amongst his people. That's what happened at Pentecost. This was the new thing that had been promised. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and now they were changed on the inside. They were different. They spoke in new tongues and languages where they'd been timid in hiding. Now they were bold. Now they knew a new power in their lives. Enabled them to boldly witness about Jesus and even do the same signs and wonders that Jesus had done. The crowds in Jerusalem that day heard what happened and, and they're deeply convicted, what must we do to be saved? And 3,000, 3,000 respond, are born again. Church is born. It's not bad, 3,000 in a day. But you see, that was the first day of a new age. It's called the age of the Spirit. That was the first day of a never-ending story for the church. It's like every day is a new day in God. Every day the Holy Spirit's poured out. It's not like we've got to wait anymore because he has been poured out. What, what were they waiting for? Jesus to be glorified. Okay. Once Jesus was seated at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit is poured out. We don't have to wait anymore. He's here. He's poured out. Right now, he's, he's there to receive, to enjoy, to be filled with every day. More, Lord. And you know, he says, okay. You see, if you pursue him, you get some more. So it's, it's, it's a bit, you know, people who know how to eat. You, you know, and you've, you've finished a meal and you think, oh, I fancy a bit more of that. Do, do you ever do that or are you a bit posh? And you, you kind of go and think, do you think i have some more? I said, yeah, how much would you like? Same again? Yeah. And we're limited on capacity some more than others. But, but the point I'm making with God, there's no limit. God says, yeah, I will give you more and more and more and I will grow you and increase your capacity until you can walk as I walked, until my people shine like I shine, until the church is glorious, until Teesside is transformed, because it's my power at work in you. And it's a gift. It's the best thing. It's for every one of us. Everyone has a part to play. God has promised to give his Holy Spirit to every Christian. No one is left out. Acts 2.39, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That's us then. It's you then. So how do we receive the Holy Spirit? Let me go through. Well, we we need to be saved. Romans 10, 9 and uh, and 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. You need to be saved. Are you saved? That's the first question. I don't mean did you get a few warm gusps fuzzy goosebumps. I mean, have you consciously, do you believe in your heart Jesus is raised from the dead and that God loves you and Jesus died for you? Do you believe that? If you believe that, yes. If you confess it with your mouth, I believe that. I, I, I believe with all my heart that with, with Jesus is alive, you are saved. That's what it says. It's not about goosebumps. It's not about how you feel. It's not about anything else. It's not whether you cry or not. It's just true. We need to repent. Acts 2, 38. What did Peter say to all these who said, what must we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance just means turning away from and going in the opposite direction. Turn away from your sin, repent of it, turn away and say, no, I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go God's way now. It's what repentance means. Acts 19:17 to 20 reminds us that even believers can have secret, unconfessed sins. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I not know how many heads have just gone down. I wasn't looking honest. We need to face those we need to turn away from sin because those things will hinder the blessing of God flowing in our lives. So we need to repent too, daily, oftenly, often. Just turn away and say, God, I don't want that, I'm going to live this way. It's called living a life of repentance and if there's stuff in your life that's wrong, please repent of it today. Tell God you're sorry. He's not there with a big stick, but he wants to forgive you, but he wants you to turn away from it. We need to obey Acts 5.32. We are witnesses of these things, so, so and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. We need to thirst. This is important, John 7.37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, then come to me and drink. If someone's not thirsty, it's like saying, Here, have a drink. and go, I'm not really thirsty at the minute. Well, you know, God's not going to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He's not going to quench your thirst if you haven't got one. Something about being thirsty and say, I want this. Passionate desire for God and for all God has for us makes receiving the Holy Spirit so much easier. We need to ask. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is not asking in doubt. This is, this is it, it's, it, rather the reverse in, in question and in, in, invites us to ask on the basis of certain belief in God's generous nature. We come and we ask because we know God wants to give us something. It's like saying, here you are. You say, can I have some? Because we know, we, we ask because we know he wants to give it. It's not like trying to persuade God to give us, well, no, I don't think, don't think you qualify. It's not like that. Here's God, our generous, loving God who... Be- who, who gave himself, gave his son to us when we never wanted, who died for us when we never wanted, who's one to himself. He says, now, I have good gifts for you, my children, every one of you. I want to bless you. I want to fill you with the Holy Spirit. So say, that, that's the heart of God. So when you come and say, can I have something?" He says, of course, because I want to bless you. That's the sort of asking we're talking about here. It's not trying to persuade God something. It's saying God loves us and longs to bless us. That's the heart of God. So many people don't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when prayed for because they're, they're just not certain that God wants to give it to them. Well, we need to be confident. Luke eleven nine 9 to 11. So I say, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers... If you ask for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. If you ask for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Everyone who asks receives. How's your faith? Is it, it getting there? Okay. And then there's this, we need to actually receive. We can talk about it but there's got to be that moment of saying, I'll have some of that. Acts 10, 44, 46. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all those who heard. You, you can imagine them going, yeah, we'd like some. And Peter's going on and on. And they say, can we have some now? And he's still going on and on. God says, shut up, Peter. And he just starts to pour out the Holy Spirit because these people are hungry. That's the heart of God, you see. You might do it right now to me in a minute if I don't shut up. We need to respond. You see, we can ask, but we also need to step out in faith, believing we have received. Sometimes that's tongues, prophecy, all sorts of things, feelings, emotions, tears, doesn't really matter to me much. And can I just say, this is not just a once and for all thing. This is the beginning of a lifestyle of receiving. If Ephesians 5.18 says, don't drink, get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It actually means be being filled. It's a present continuous. It's ongoing. It's the, it's the continuous walk of the child of God is being filled with the Spirit every day. Do you want some? I'm going to pray for you, so whether you want it or not, actually, uh, why don't we stand up? I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Be, be assured, I'm not looking to embarrass anybody, but I want, I want you to stand up and I want you to get in your focused position, your, your, your receiving position. It's not too weird. Let's just close our eyes. Just focus on, on the Lord for a bit.